Hello, everybody. It's Marilyn Harris here of Hard at Work, and I'm doing this podcast series about creating more workplace kindness, um, better culture, more profits, of course. And when we have teamwork, everything always works a lot better. So I, my guest today with me is Tara. Um, she is uh, an awesome person. I saw her on LinkedIn, and I just really wanted to uh, have her on my calls. So welcome, Tara. Thank you. So tell us, uh, Tara, a little bit about yourself, like how'd you get started doing what you're doing and go, for, go from there. Sure. Um, well, I'm a clinical psychologist by training um, and I've been doing that for about 20 years or so. I don't even want to admit how long I've been doing it. And, um, and I've also um, been a business entrepreneur. I had my own um, R&D firm um, using digital technology to promote health. And now I am at Harvard University's Counseling Center, sort of coming full circle. Um, I joke that my daughters went off to college and I went back to college. So that's what I'm doing right now. I also speak um, recently. It's just a trend. I've been invited to speak about creating kinder cultures in the workplace, and that's been really fun, actually, to um, talk about what I know and try to share some skills and see if it can be applied to the workplaces. Um, and as you know, I wrote a book called The Kindest Cure, um, and that is essentially um, started from my own personal mission, to, uh, where I asked the question, um, about two years ago, what happened to kindness because it seemed to really be eroding right. from our, you know, personal discourse or public discourse um, from our leadership institutions. So I wrote that book and, um, and that's just really kind of the path that I've been on ever since. Okay, great. You mentioned about uh, going back to college and uh, writing your book and everything. So um, when you're out speaking uh, with the public or to uh, women uh, business networking groups and such. Um, do, what are the most top, highly topics do they really want to know about, more about from you? Um, well, they're usually inviting me because they know that I wrote the book on kindness. And, and so they already have this intention of how do we bring this into our workspace? Mm -hmm. And um, it's a question and it's, it's kind of an ironic one because at the base level, most people believe that they are kind people. Right. Um, they believe that they are caring and that that's the value that they're promoting. But it's not necessarily something that is enacted um, in the workplace. And so what I really try to teach is um, what gets in the way of our natural instinct to be kind and caring. Because we do, we are wired to care. It's very much part of our physiology. We wouldn't be here today, um, you know, from generation to generation if we weren't caring at a very primal level. But things get in the way. And so usually the first question I asked, you know, the audience is, what do you think gets in the way? And of course, you know, the most popular answer is stress. Mm. And, and it's true. Um, but what kind of stress? And how does that evolve? And um, are you even aware when it's happening? Are there ways that you can prevent it um, from getting in the way of who you want to be as a human being? So then, and then that starts to talk, we start talking about, well, what does it mean to be a kind leader? And where does it need to start, right? Mm -hmm. Is it a ground up? Is it top down? Is it both? So um, 
there are really interesting conversations that start to happen um, around this particular topic. I think the biggest question I got recently, I was, I was at an investment firm and then I was at a, a accounting firm, like one of the big five. And um, it, this came up twice in both cases where, you know, well, why, you know, why is it that women can be so cruel to each other? And, you know, it's one thing to be kind and nice and bring a cup of coffee to a meeting and that sort of thing, but um, they were really experiencing it, um, you know, sort of within their own cohort. Right. And it's, to, me, it's, to me, it's obvious, but to other people, it's not obvious. And, and really, it's, it helps to understand, actually, the science and the physiology of stress. Mm -hmm. um, and so when we, when we are in environments that are really focused on external criteria, productivity, having to meet numbers, that causes obviously a lot of stress. But when the opportunities for advancement are limited, which they often are in these type of organizations for women, women do what any human being would do, is that they start vying and fighting for their territory, right? right? Uh, and, and so when we understand that there's a resource issue at hand, Mm -hmm. that the opportunities aren't there, aren't there for women. Right. And we need to try to make those opportunities happen so that this kind of sort of mean girl behavior, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, doesn't sort of self-perpetuate. And it really just starts with a recognition that it's not that people are mean or cruel. You have to actually really look at sort of the cauldron that you are in right. and, and try to look at it from, from, from that angle as well. Yeah. I think too what you're saying is that uh, women and men um, react to stress much differently. So as you were saying, we, the women tend to go to the mean girl is because that's, they don't know how to handle that stress. And especially when there's limited uh, opportunities, that's when that mean person comes out. <laughs> you know, well, it ha I think it's, you know, I, I think it's sort of almost a myth that it's a, it's a gender issue because I really actually feel like it's a resource issue. Right. Men have more opportunities to advance themselves. Women have less. Right. And so we go to really our, our, our basic sort of um, instinct, right? Is that we're, we're looking for food. We're looking for shelter. I mean, <laughs> that's, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Conscious, yeah. and um, it's you know, and we have these sort of these unconscious drives, and then we also have these unconscious biases. You know, it was funny when I did a talk at one of these places. Um, there was another conference happening down the hallway, and it was all men lining up, waiting to go in. You know, to get their coffee, <laughs> breakfast, and go in. And there, and I'm in the room full of women, and we're looking out the glass doors, and you know, and I turned out and I looked, and I'm like, well, I think we should probably invite the men in too. We, we could all use some remedial training and kindness. <laughs> Um, because it does. It, it's really about intention first, um, ha having sort of an awareness and a recognition mm -hmm. of uh, what your values are and how you want to be caring right. um, in an environment that you spend so much of your life. Yeah, yeah. We spend way too much time in the workplace. And then, like you were saying, it's like, what's your, I think we also have to be more consciously aware of who we are and um, what our intention is we set for that day perhaps and then when you're in a meeting you set another intention you know so it's it's really about being ongoing consciously what you're doing and what you're saying yes I, i've really come to a place um where 
I think the crisis in kindness is actually really a problem of attention. Right. Is that we're not actually paying attention in the present moment to our own um, thoughts, feelings, physiology, the environment, because we're so focused on something that's external, right? right. And you know, we're and that's because we have this negativity bias. So I teach a lot about the negativity bias, and I don't know if it's come up in any of your interviews, but I feel like understanding that we have a sort of background um, software system, if you will, in our brains that is constantly scanning our environments for threats. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. It's like having this ongoing alarm surveillance system all the time. Yeah. And so when something that we perceive as stressful or something you know, externally stressful is happening, our attention immediately goes to that. We can't help it. We have to do that, right? Yeah. But it's really what happens next. So I'm in, you know, I teach mindfulness as a, a big part of my work. And it's really helpful to, to kind of see um, following our values, and really embodying our values from this, this place of knowledge about how we as human beings encapsulated, you know, encapsulated, <laughs> whatever, in, in our, encased in these human bodies is that, that we do a lot of things that are below our awareness. Mm-hmm. But once we recognize that, oh, our attention has just gone off in this corner, right? That's the negativity bias. We have just had some sort of physiological hit to our system, right? Once we recognize that, that's when we have the opportunity to take a pause and a deep breath, name it, understand that that's what's happening, and then learn how to respond differently. Right. You know, this, this takes lots of effort and attention, mm-hmm. you know? Um, to offset the negativity bias, Um, but it's possible. So I see it as sort of a mind-heart training. Right, right, yeah, and totally. It's just, to me, it's just being more conscious of um, what we want, and of course, like as you're saying, is like, you know, we all have um, our body, our reactions to things could be positive or negative, but that negative part, as you were calling it, is sort of like a software upgrade. <laughs> you yeah. know, take an upgrade in our software, in our, our mind, or in our conscious mind, so that we can shift it back to where we really want it to be, rather than where we are in the reaction mode of it. You know. So. Yeah, and and the the significance of this is so important in cultures and in networks. Because there's another thing that happens, and again, this, this is the sort of contagion effect, that we actually all are wirelessly connected to one another, right. you know, through senses and, you know, and our, our, physio- yeah, our physiological transmission, right? And 95% of the stress in the workplace is caused by usually one or two people, like 5%, right? right. Because negativity has, has this, um, this lightning speed effect. I mean, people can smell stress before they actually consciously are aware of it, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and, and so that's where our attention goes. And yet, in lots of these organizations, there's so much good happening too. It just doesn't get recognized and right. we're not paying attention. But the thing is, you know, there's that sort there's, um, you know, some of these um, social networking scientists call this the three degrees of influence rule is that whatever is inserted into a network, whether that's online or offline and into a social human community, whatever is inserted has the capacity to affect out by three degrees. And that, you know, that person that you know, maybe that person knows somebody else. You don't know that person. There's a third person that you don't know. And what that person does and injects into the community can affect you 
-hmm. So that gives us this huge opportunity to be really mindful of what we inject into our communities. Right. And be really mindful that we we are leading with kindness rather than, you know, the hatred or the meanness or the uncaring aspect of who we are. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your your book that you've um, written and recently published and share a little bit about that. Yeah, so that was started from actually sort of, you know, as many books are from a personal issue or crisis, if you will. Um, My older daughter was entering senior year of high school and all the kids were out celebrating. We're seniors, we're seniors, you know, and they're out in the woods hanging out where they're not supposed to hang out, but it's tradition. And she's leaving this, um, this gathering and she gets assaulted by another girl, in fact. Okay. Somebody that we knew actually for a long time. And so she's, she gets beaten up while she's leaving. And it was just that event where I just had to sit back and kind of um, keep my mama bear in check, mm-hmm. <laughs> really. Yeah. But I asked myself, what happened to kindness? Like, Really, where are we right now as a culture? And is there anything about kindness um, that we don't know? Like, is there something that we're learning um, in our modern culture about kindness and compassion that could actually really shift how we go about in the world? So I just started asking the question. And um, I have, I'm a researcher by trade. And so I just started digging into some of the research and it was just really fascinating. And then I, and then I realized I needed to write a book that was really accessible that my daughters could understand mm-hmm. um, and a younger generation could understand by bringing in sort of the bits and the pieces of the science that really proves out ancient wisdom, right? This is sort of like the ironic part, but um, there are actual physiological and neurological changes that happen when we practice mindfulness and compassion. There are certain centers of the brain and, and, and um, nervous system activity that gets either amplified or reduced when we start doing these kinds of practices on a daily basis. And it's, it's amazing that you can see this change on brain imaging scans. So for instance, at a workplace, practicing a loving kindness meditation every day, for a few minutes right. actually shifts employees well-being right. and is sustainable over the long term, even a year later. This is what right. some of the research is showing. And so, so really, I wanted to create a book that A, was you know, hopefully delightful to read, right. um, but really started bringing up these basic skills and sort of social and emotional learning that we need to carry on past kindergarten, right, right? right. throughout our entire lives because we develop differently over time and cognitively we need to do different things over time and so that's why I wrote the book um, and and it was just kind of like okay check that one off the list I wanted to dedicate a book to my daughters because they have actually been my greatest teachers around this question right and um, and we all want love and kindness right every single human being this is a basic human need right right and it's a basic human capacity right yeah, I totally get what you're saying. So congratulations on writing that book and dedicating it to your daughters. I'm sure that, have they all read it and agree with you, Mom? Yes, well, because I have a few little stories about them in there, and so I made sure that they read them first <laughs> <laughs> and were okay with them, and so I got their seal of approval. Yeah, okay, cool. So um, 
What type of clients do you like to work with right now and what kind of services do you provide? So, um, so I have one profession which is working at um, a counseling center and that's sort of very sort of, you know, specific to that population. I really love actually working with graduate students. So these are our future leaders and lawyers and doctors of the world um, who are usually in their mid to late 20s um, who are really trying to figure out what's important to them. If they end up at a counseling center, they're in some sort of conflict or struggle. And so I really enjoy that because I actually do teach a lot about the negativity bias and mindfulness. I call it kindfulness and how to kind of approach your day um, in a way where you're paying attention to the things that really matter. So that's a lot of my work. In my um, uh, more private practice and in my speaking um, gigs, um, I teach a lot, actually a lot of what I write about in the book. And really I talk, I really want people to understand stress as um, sort of what, it's, it's sort of a trance that we get caught into. We get sort of addicted to busyness and performance and, um, fun, you know, ratings and rankings. Like our culture has now conditioned us to these different kinds of values. Right. And we're not sometimes aware of them. And so I really try to teach my clients, which happen to be, well, women and men, actually. I feel like it's 50-50, mm -hmm. um, which is really delightful because I spent really most of my career um, with uh, girls, adolescents, and women. Mm -hmm. um, but it's about 50-50 now. And usually people who are um, in transition, they're trying to figure out the meaning in their lives. Are they going to make changes? There might be changes in relationships or work, or um, there might be a health crisis that's come along. And so a lot of the work is, um, you know, I joke because there's always three people in the room with me. There's me, my client, and their inner critic. Right. And so a lot of it is, is sort of like creating a dialogue with the inner critic right. to really understand um, how that voice, you know, which is fueled by the negativity bias, is actually um, mistakenly trying to protect them. Right. And how we can help them um, let the inner critic go. Right. Right. But when that voice pops up, it just means that there's something that really matters to them in the world. Right. There's something that's triggering them that, that they care deeply about. And their fear-based voice is popping up to say, oh, oh, watch out, watch out. And right. so it's really learning how to befriend that aspect. Um, so that's, that's been a lot of my work. It's, it's very enjoyable. And I feel like it's transformational mm -hmm. in a very short amount of time. Right, right. And that's what you want, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Going on, on, ongoing. So um, yes. tell us, um, Tara, how we can, somebody, if they want to get you to do a speaking for them or uh, work with you, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, um, well, that's easy. They just need to um, click the link that has my name on it, tarakuzno.com, and I have a, a speaking tab in my books there. And I created actually recently a new um, deck, which I love it. It's just an affirmation. It's called the Little Deck of Kindfulness. Um, so all of that is on my website, and there's a contact page there. And you can find me on LinkedIn, too, and you know, all the social media sites, awesome. just by looking at my name. Okay, awesome. Well, we'll get that message out to people so they can reach out to you. And thank you for being on the call with me today. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to do that. And, oh, thanks uh, for inviting me. <laughs> look forward to uh, working with you at some point in time down the road again. Yes, that would be great. Okay, great. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye.